Good morning. If I haven't had the privilege of meeting you, uh, my name is Scott, and I have the privilege of teaching God's Word this morning, as well as being the pastor here at Novation. A um, couple things before we pray. Um, we, this week, if, if you don't know this, we're reading through the Bible together. We started after Easter. We're using the Bible Project's um, reading plan, the, the story that leads to Jesus. And like, if you're up to speed, you're already in numbers, right? So um, should I have you raise your hand? Just kidding. I won't do that. Uh, it's hard. It's easy to get behind. And, you know, like I said last week, you get into Leviticus, that's where Bible reading plans go to die. It's a junkyard for, for Bible reading plans. But keep, power, keep powering through. Um, what we're trying to do as we read Scripture together is as questions come up and thoughts are provoked, once a month we're doing what we call monthly midrash. And midrash is a, a Jewish word for a community interpreting scripture together rather than just one guy or the rabbi but coming together and let's dialogue about this so we had one last month and it's this thursday june the 9th at 6 30 and uh we just meet in the cafe if you want to bring dinner or eat before it's very simple very casual uh it's a great time so consider yourselves all in, invited for that Speaking of the, the reading plan on our app, if you go open the app and then click the tile, His Story, there's a place in there, not only where the reading plan is, but there's some other resources, some podcasts, as well as an opportunity for you to submit a question that maybe you would like someone to try to respond to. So you just click it on there. Maybe we talk about it on Thursday or someone get back to you. So keep those things in mind, as well as baptism. We're doing water baptism June 26th, the last Sunday of this month. We'll be doing water baptism. I know we have several folks who have said they're ready to do that, and so if you have not been uh, water baptized and would like to, make a note of that. And uh, also wanted to let you know there's a, a church that moved in next door. I don't know if you've noticed their flags, but they're going to have a school, kind of like the church that used to meet over there when it was Elevation. This church is called Forge. I thought it would be, uh, be good to pray for them this morning. They're our, our neighbors, and they have a ministry that they've been doing for a while, and, and this space has been vacant for a while, and hey, we'll be good neighbors, right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the hope that we have, the forgiveness that we have the joy and love that we have because of you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this new church, Forge, that's our neighbors. God, I ask your blessings upon them. I ask for grace and wisdom for their leadership and their outreach and the things that you've called them to do and to be, Lord. May they do it in the power of your spirit and in the power of your grace. Lord, as we... Continue in the word this morning. I pray for you to help me Lord people don't need to hear from me We need to hear from you. I know your word is alive and it's active Holy Spirit open our hearts and minds to hear what you have to say today in Jesus name. Amen So as I said, we're in a series That's kind of coinciding with our Bible reading plan and right now we're in the book of Genesis on our Sunday teachings and we've titled it Longing for Eden, because if you remember, 
God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. It was a place of perfection where God, where heaven and earth literally met together. It was God's sacred space, and he walked with Adam and Eve. And we know that Adam and Eve chose to do exactly the opposite of what God told them to do. And in his mercy, he exiled them out of the garden. And as you've read through Genesis, or if you've ever read it, you just see this longing to get back to Eden. And nothing's different. Each one of us have a longing in our heart to get back to Eden. And that's, you know, we tend to call it heaven, but when you read the end of Revelation, we see the new Jerusalem, the, the heaven, new heavens and earth. That's where we're longing for, this place where there's no sin, no sorrow, no sadness, no sickness. And we're longing for that. And we're passing through this life, trying to find that along the way. And when we say we're longing for Eden, we're really longing for Jesus. He's the true Eden. He's the true resting place. He's the true temple of God and, and what we're all longing for. He has the answers for all of our, our needs. Now, as I was reading and preparing for this week, I love how honest the Bible is. It's messy, man. There are messy people. And I go, okay, I'm not the only messy person. And, and God, the, just the honesty of the people's faith, failures, faith, failures, faith, failures. Can anyone relate? <laughs> it, it's just, it's, it's learning along the way as we make mistakes or difficulties come into our life. Um, today we're going to continue in the life of Abraham. A couple, we're highlighting things in the book of Genesis. Last week I talked about the calling of Abraham. We're going to look a little bit more into his life today. I'm going to read a scripture out of Hebrews 11. And it says this, Sarah too had faith. And because of this, she was able to become a mother in spite of her old age. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, Sarah was Abraham's wife. For she realized that God, who gave her his promise, would certainly do what he had said. And so a whole nation came from Abraham, who was too old to have even one child, a nation with so many millions of people that like the stars of the sky in the sand on the ocean shores, there was no way for them to count. Now, that kind of sounds like a cakewalk of faith, that they just, God promised and they just walked on through, yay God, it's all good. When you know the backstory. They didn't trust God. They needed a miracle. God had promised a miracle, and they jacked it up a lot before it actually was fulfilled. So it's funny. I love the book of Hebrews, but painting quite a different picture to some degree of how it really went down. And last week we talked about Abraham's halfway obedience, and there's consequences of halfway obedience. He was told to... Uh, go from the land that he was in to the promised land in, in Canaan. And he was only supposed to bring Sarah, but he brings Lot, his nephew, and his dad. And all of that, and he doesn't go straight to where God told him to go. And there's consequences. There's things that end up happening along the way. There was a, a famine in the land. And instead of staying where God had told him to be, in, in trusting God for pr provision, he goes to Egypt. And in Egypt, all kinds of difficulties <laughs> happen there as well. 
I was thinking, we go through times of famine. Maybe not literally with food, but famines of joy, famines of peace, purpose, contentment. We go through these seasons as well. Are we going to stay and trust and know that Jesus is enough? He is our joy. He is our peace. He is our contentment. And that's some of the lessons that I think we're going to learn. The verse that I read out of Hebrews 11 is God's promise, answer to his promise, to what, what had ha- actually happened. And I was thinking about this. There are, there are three things. There are fulfilled dreams. Like when you have a dream that's put in your heart and then you see the fulfillment of that, that's one thing. Then there's fulfilled desires. There's a desire that's in your heart, maybe for a relationship or marriage or whatever, a calling. There's this desire that's there. And then fulfilled promises where you see a promise of God and you see him fulfill it. Now, I think for all three of these have one thing in common, and it's timing. Timing for a fulfilled dream, desire, or promise. It all is in in the right timing. And we're going to see in our story today that we have a tendency to take timing matters into our own hands. And that's when we, we have faith and then we fail. Faith and we fail. There are a lot of things in life that we can have bad timing on. Financial stuff, we can have bad timing. Relationships, bad relationships. Jumping into something. God put a dream in Abraham's heart. God put a, a desire in Sarah's heart to have a child. And then God makes a promise that he is going to, they are going to conceive a child in old age, like late 80s, 90s. We know that's pretty old. I mean, not if you're 90. I'm just saying for having kids. <laughs> Check that. <laughs> Here's what he told Abram. You will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. At the risk of sounding trite, what's a dream that's in your heart? I want you to think about that as we talk this morning. What's, a, what's an unfulfilled dream, an unfulfilled desire that you know seems to be coming from the Lord? What's a, a promise you're banking on that you haven't seen fulfilled yet? You're going to get most out of this if you can relate your own story to this story. Now, what we're going to see today is... Abram had three sons, and the three sons mentioned in Abraham's life are are three approaches to moving toward a fulfilled dream, a fulfilled desire, and the fulfillment of a promise from God. Are you with me? Cool. (laughs) The first son that we want to talk about is Eliezer. Eliezer. We're talking about timing. Eliezer represents my timing. 
I take matters into my own hand. This is, you know, this dream, this desire, this promise, I'm going to be in control of it. Rather than wait, it's going to be on my timing. It says in, you might be saying, well, how is Eliezer his son? Well, he was his adopted son, his, his servant. And it says this, Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit my wealth. My timing, God. (laughs) You, You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said, nope, nope, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and he said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. We take matters in our own hands when we try to do things in our timing. We have a a dream, a desire, a promise we're hanging on. But then we short-circuit by not trusting the Lord. We take matters into our own hand. We, We settle for less, so to speak. Abram was settling for less by saying, Okay, God, it hasn't happened yet. Eliezer, he's the answer to your promise. And we do these things out of fear. We we're afraid, we're afraid of more. We're afraid of more waiting. We're afraid of more work. We're afraid of the tension that happens when we're having to be patient. I don't know about you, but I'm not a very patient person. It's an area that, well, I'm teasing. I don't pray about because he's going to test you with something to be patient with. We always say that when we're on our, on our mission trips. Like, who prayed for patience? Because we're being tested the whole time. But learning to wait on God, and and I would say this, don't be afraid of the more that God has for you. When he has us wait, he's testing us. We're being tested. And when when you're in a class and the test is happening, the teacher's silent. I mean, sometimes God seems silent. Well, the tests are always for our good. We're going to talk about that next week. Tests are always for our personal growth. God's not out to get us. He wants us to grow. For some reason, I flash back to high school as I was writing this. And uh, I wasn't a very good student in high school. I should have been. I'm not a dummy. But I should have applied myself, you know, so to speak. And I, I didn't. And I remember being in math class. I hated algebra. Anybody relate to that? Um, I was good at geometry for some reason. Like, like that was more logical versus this, you know, algebra stuff. And I remember being in class, and there was a, we were having a test. I hadn't studied for it. Took a shortcut, and I remember kind of being desperate. And I kind of just glanced over at the dude next to me, who was like three times worse a student as I was. I was, but I was kind of desperate, and I peeked over, and the math teacher goes. Scott, you cheated. I saw you. You looked at his paper. I got called out in front of the whole class. And she came over and grabbed my test, and I got a zero. And to save face, I said, 
If I'm going to cheat, I'm not going to cheat off of his test. <laughs> kind of took the power right out of that there. But I could tell you a number of times in my ministry life that I um, almost short-circuited God's plan. I, I had always dreamed of planning a church in Novation, and there were times... I was on staff at, at Faith Bible Chapel in Arvada for 15 years, and it was the grass was always greener somewhere else. But little did I know that, that God was preparing me for what we did 10 years ago in, in starting the church. I would have short-circuited His plan. I wasn't ready. And so you, waiting for God's perfect timing for that dream, that desire, that promise is so important. The second son is Ishmael. Ishmael equals the timing of others. We get manipulated by the timing of others. Rather, you know, my timing is one thing. Others manipulate us to, to in our dreams, our desires, and the promise. And maybe you think of like get rich schemes, right? Somebody promises you, hey, invest your money here. Get six people to work underneath you and then get them to get six and you'll be loaded. <laughs> It's like that scene in that great theological show called The Office, where Michael Scott's at the beginning of the show, he's trying to get the, his guys to buy calling cards from him and then sell calling cards. And he goes, he's on a little whiteboard and he draws it. And so if I get two underneath me and da da da, and they were like, that's a pyramid scheme, Michael. And he's like, no, that's not a pyramid scheme. And then one guy goes, uh, well, remember when you got scammed and gave all your money to the, to the, king of Nigeria. <laughs> he goes, when the king of Nigeria asks for your help, you help. And then they come up and Jim just draws a triangle around it and shows him, it's a pyramid scheme. You got scammed, bro. The timing of others. Let's keep reading. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into, into my maid, insert, awkward emoji, and I will obtain children through her. That emoji with the wide eyes, that's what I thought of there. Bible's real, okay? And Abram, listen to the voice of Sarai. That should bring us a little hyperlink back to Genesis chapter 3. When they fell, it, God said, Adam, why did you listen to the voice of your wife? Now, that's not saying, men, we shouldn't listen to the voice of our wives. But there's a pattern that God's trying to show here of others' timing, so to speak. After Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife, Sarai, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband, Abram, as his wife. That's taking matters into our own hands. They took matters. Sarah took matters in her own hands. It, it wasn't going as she had hoped it was going to go. Therefore, I'll just do it in my timing, her timing. And, and that her timing led to Abram being sucked into the timing of others, so to speak. Let's give them grace, though. They needed a miracle. Like, he was in his late 80s here. You don't hear of a whole lot of people getting pregnant in their late 80s, unless their name is Clint Eastwood, you know, right? Like, I don't know how he's still fathering kids or something, but 
he, uh, old age, but impatience has consequences. When we're impatient, we use people. When we want to get something done for ourselves, it's easy. When, we're, when we don't have the fulfillment, it's easy to use others. They used Hagar. They used Hagar. So Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. Ishmael was, he was not the promised one. He wasn't the promised one. And yet, they mistreated an Egyptian girl and, and abused her, literally, to get what they wanted out of this. And it's not good. When you think of others' timing, I want to talk to parents just for a second. If you still have kids in the home, the book of Proverbs says, train a child in the way they should go, and when they're older, they will not depart from it. What that means is find out how God has wired your kid. Help them find God's plan for their life rather than your plan. Because as parents, it's easy to push our plans on our kids or to vicariously live uh, what we didn't experience through our kids. And that's, that's not what, how God wants us to parent. He wants us to help our kids find God's plan for their life. The third son represent, is Isaac, and he represents God's timing. So out of the three timings, there's one that's the right one, and that's always God's timing. It is hard to be patient. How many know that? But here's the deal. God's timing is always going to be the best timing. Chapter 17, then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and indeed, I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she will be the, a mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. In other words, no, we already got the promise here. We already got the promise. And, but God says again, No, but Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son. And you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. It says that Abraham laughed, and then we read in another passage that Sarah laughed when she overheard this conversation. And so God said, name him Isaac, because the name Isaac means laughs. So that's where he gets his name. And then we see the fulfillment when we fast forward to Genesis 21. Then the Lord took note of Sarah as he said, had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the appointed time of which God had spoken to him, Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son, Isaac, when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. 
Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. God's always on time. God's timing is always best. And the encouragement is not for us to take matters in our own hand or, or listen to the timing of others, but trust God for His timing. We're going to shift into taking communion together this morning. I want to tell you how perfectly on time God is. In Galatians 4.4, 4, in the verses that follow, says this about the perfection of God's timing. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The whole Old Testament and what we're reading from go all the way back to the garden, the prophetic word where when God, after the fall, he, he tells the serpent, he said, you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. That was a foretelling of the work of the Messiah, Jesus, in crushing the evil one, crushing sin, crushing death by what he did in his life, death, and resurrection. And what we're reading in the Old Testament and looking at is this longing, this longing to go back to Eden, this longing for the Messiah. Israel's Messiah becomes not only their Messiah, but the Savior of the whole world, you and I, being part of that. So before we take communion, I want to reflect just a minute on what I asked you earlier. Is there an unfulfilled dream? An unfulfilled desire? An unfulfilled promise or it's apparent, it feels to you that this promise hasn't been fulfilled that you're, you're hanging on to? My encouragement to you would be wait for God's best. And whatever that is, wait for God's best. Walk with Him. Ask for His wisdom and trust Him with it. So what we're going to do is take communion as a family. You can come and grab uh, these two tables here. And there's some different options up here. Grab the communion, take it back to your, your chair, and we'll take it together. was lost 
the elements um, you are God's dream to be in perfect right relationship with his creation with humanity God sent Jesus Christ his son to submit himself to death, to the anger of a mob. As you read through the Gospels and you see how many times Jesus said that he was going to die and suffer at the hands of, of evil men. But on the third day, he was going to rise. And he did that. He triumphed over sin and death and evil. And we have everything we need in life in the person of Jesus. We lack nothing. We have our deepest needs met deep, deep in our soul. We have a healer who heals the wounds, not only physically, but the wounds that are self-inflicted often, the mistakes and failures that we make, or the wounds that others have caused 
on your heart and your life. And as we take communion, we're agreeing with Jesus that he's Savior, Lord, healer, life giver. And that's what we're doing when we eat the bread and drink the cup. We're saying yes to his promise. All the promises of God are yes and amen in the person of Jesus. Let that bless you today. Let that give hope, peace, joy. Let it change your life and transform you as we become like him. That's what we're all on this journey of becoming like him. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he lifted it to heaven and he he blessed it he told his disciples he said take and eat this represents this bread represents my body which is going to be broke for you let's take the bread told in the same way after supper that he took a cup of wine and he lifted it to heaven and he blessed it and he said this wine represents my blood in the new covenant the sacrifice to end all sacrifices and what he was going to do for us on the cross and then rising from the grave to give us salvation and new life let's take the You just put your hands out in front of you in a posture of just receiving. (laughs) May you today and from this day evermore recognize how loved you are by our loving Heavenly Father. And may you, if you ever question His love, Not look to the left or to the right, but look to the cross. Where our Lord was willing to lay down His life for the Father to raise Him up to defeat your enemies, our enemies of sin, death, and evil. May you walk in resurrection power. May you walk in free from shame and guilt. May you walk pursuing Jesus with all your heart, knowing that He's already pursued you. To pursue, to walk in His way and to live out what He said to do. May we all live a life marked with love and unity, peace. Your grace, Lord, is enough. We thank You for that. Jesus, thank You for the gift of new life. We don't take that lightly. We're humbled. Father, thank you that we can approach you with freedom and confidence because of your Son and that you've chosen to take up residency in our lives through the Holy Spirit. We are your temple now, individually and and as a community. We love you. We pray to keep growing in our faith. 
Lord, when we fail, help us to get right back up and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.